just half today. And, uh, uh, but but, but uh, this is a weird title, but I'll, uh, but I, I just, just, uh, just consider this for a minute. Um, let me have your attention. Consider this. Moments like these, places like this, people like us. So what in the world is Charles talking about? You'll find out in a moment. Luke 19, Luke records his uh, account of the triumphal entry that we celebrate today. And, I, and we've read um, from um, the early part of that, we've read up to verse 40. And so I want to just pick up after that. We read the part, and we know all of the story. I'll go back and mention it in a moment. But I want to pick up in verse 41. And it says this, listen to me. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. A lot of, you know, often we read the first part of that, and I, was, I grew up in church, and, you know, in Sunday school. And the church I grew up in, you know, they put the palm branches on the wall on Palm Sunday, and the choir would march in. Remember marching choirs? I'm old enough when I was a youngster, choirs marched. Now, now they, like, they dance. And I remember I, I was in the church, church of God in Christ back in the 70s, and I was a youngster. Remember, I think that for us, the state choirs, if you, if you knew y'all were, were involved in that movie, you remember, Arlie, you know about the state choir. And that's the first time I saw when they started, you know, coming in and doing, and then it got crazy. And so on, on Palm Sunday, the choir would march in and we'd sing Hosanna, be a, a festive procession in our churches and wonderful thing. And the little kids, we celebrate, the, we talk about the donkey and the, the branches and all that stuff, and it's a wonderful thing. But we often leave off the, the, uh, the flip side, the backstory here, because there's some other commentary that goes on. But what happens is that, you know, Jesus is, is healed, has raised Lazarus from the dead, and so the crowd is basically all fired up over him because he's the latest miracle worker in town who's doing some great things. He's healing the sick and raising the dead. And, and, uh, and so the people are obviously he's very popular during this, uh, during this moment. And so uh, he's coming into Jerusalem, and uh, he sends his disciples ahead to grab the donkey, and you know, because the Lord needs to use it. And uh, there, there are three or four sermons in here, but uh, he, they, they bring it, and he, you know, he uh, rides in. The people spread their cloaks on the road, and they shout praises to him. And someone says, "Master, you need to tell your people to be quiet." And he says, "Let me tell you something. If they don't praise me, the rocks will praise me. So you may as well let them go ahead." And uh, so we sang about that this morning. And then he gets there, and then there's this moment where the camera cuts from the, the party and the, the, the parade and all the, the procession. The camera cuts over to Jesus in a moment of quiet contemplation, and he weeps over the city of God. He weeps over Zion. He weeps over Jerusalem because of their situation. Um, if you isolate the story, you'll think it's really about the, tri the triumphal entry, but it's really somewhat of a tragic tale. And it's not a tale, it's true, but it's a tragic narrative, and it is about some people who think they know what's happening and don't have a clue. Um, he weeps over Jerusalem 
for two reasons. They want peace like you and I want peace, but they don't know what will bring them peace, right? And he says that, and he's the prince of peace, and he's in their midst, and they're, they're missing the opportunity. They didn't, he says, recognize the time of God's coming to them. In other words, they didn't recognize the moment of divine visitation. In other words, it's like, hello, Jesus is here. Oh, I didn't know you was here. You ever had somebody at your house, you know, and you maybe had a guest, and your kids let him in, and they sit down in the living room, and you would, oh, I didn't know you were here. I try to avoid those kind of situations because I might be un- unkempt in the moment. But, you know, uh, it's like I'm here, and you don't even. And, and, and John captured this in the prologue to his gospel in John 1. He says, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world didn't know him. And, and so Jesus weeps over their condition, over their situation, they have missed the moment. They've missed the opportunity. In, the, in, in terms of our, 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 of our theme this morning, they've, they've missed the moment. They've missed the, the place, and they've missed the person. And it's a sad thing. They've got a certain plight that they're dealing with, like all of us got. We all have our own plight, right? We all have our own circumstances, our own situation. Uh, what you doing to my grandson back there? Oh, he said, said, Grandpa, I know you're going to preach too long today. You say, I want to preach. But, you know, we all got our issues, right? We got our plight, right? And, and, and the Jewish people in, in, here in Jerusalem and, and, and that Jesus dealt with back in his day, they had their issues, their concerns. And, and as you read the, the Old Testament, you, you, you see the, the story of God bringing them out of, 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 of the Semitic region and separating them unto himself as a people, you know, the patriarchs like Abraham, and then he uses Moses after they've gone into slavery to bring them out, to form for himself a very unique and special people, not so that they could be like better than everybody else, but so that they could be the people through whom he would bring redemption to the enti- entire human race. But we see that they fell into disobedience and they were chastened by God in the Old Testament. Uh, Syrians and, and, Bab- and the Babylonians uh, extracted a heavy toll on them and captivated them and carried their best and brightest off and seized Jerusalem and seized their cities. And there's this whole story in the Old Testament of the things they, that, that Israel goes through uh, that becomes a part of their national story. And so by the time we encounter them in the New Testament era in the first century, it's been 400 years since they've had a word from God. The prophetic voice has been stilled in, in, in Israel. But beyond that, now it's the Romans that are on the scene and have occupied their territory and that have taken control of them. And so they're carrying this, 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 this terrible negative legacy, if you will, of, of, of captivity and the loss of liberty and freedom and, and being subjugated to somebody else. And it has affected their national psyche because of the fact that their dignity and their pride has been shattered. It's a, it's a disgraceful situation what's going on with them. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, and so uh, different people in different places and different times have different assessments as to what the problem is and to what we need to do to remedy the pro- problem. And so as, and, you know, feeling this political oppression, this national disgrace, this loss of, 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 the loss of face, if you will. Uh, the religious leaders, we see Jesus encounters a lot of the religious leaders in his time, and, and they're, you know, among the Pharisees and others, others their solution is that we need to double down on the law. We need to get, you know, we need to get these people religiously pure. We need to, in fact, we need to do this. We need to raise the bar so that they try harder to please God. And that's the answer. We need to engage in more ostentatious, outward religious behavior. 
And that probably wasn't the best thing. And Jesus kind of basically blew that apart, right? Uh, but then the people on the grass, the people, and some folks went with that, that agenda and trying to be, you know, you know how we do when we try, trying to try harder to, to, to be spiritual and that kind of stuff. And then the, the, the people on another level, they were looking for something else. They, and this is really important key to understanding the Gospels, is that the, the populace at large, see, Jesus came as a certain kind of person, a certain kind of leader, but the populace, they weren't really looking for that. They were looking for a, a powerful, charismatic, and I don't mean like uh, slash Pentecostal, I'm talking about, you know, they're looking for a charismatic leader with, with, a, with, with a strong demeanor and a strong will and, and with, with power and with the ability to vanquish their enemies and to smash their opposition and to restore them to their former place of pride and dignity. You know what I'm talking about? You hear what I'm saying this morning? Uh, they, they, they're looking for somebody that's going to come into town bearing red baseball caps to say, make Jerusalem great again. That's what they're looking for. All through the Gospels, that's the tension because Jesus is bringing something else. And they are, because here's the thing, whenever there's a need in your life, know this, that Jesus knows what you really need. No matter what you may think you need, no matter what you may think is the answer, Jesus knows what you need. And Jesus knew what they needed. And see, Jesus comes and he has this, this, this uncanny way of working from the inside. Everybody else wants to work from the outside in. The Pharisees want to fix you on the outside and make you real pretty and look spiritual and then hope that somehow you can bring your inner life into alignment. Everybody wants to fix the outside. We don't work, the, work the, all the outer trappings of the thing and fix it there and, and somehow change the inside. But Jesus says, no, I don't start there. I start in the hearts and the souls of people. I start on the inside of folks. And so Jesus knew that the prevailing socio-political, economic conundrum that they faced was not was only the symptom of the disease it wasn't the disease itself you understand what i'm saying there's some things around us we look at and we think that's the problem no those things are the symptom of a deeper and more spiritual problem the, the sickness was was not just on the political level the sickness was not just at, on the social level the sickness was in the souls of men and women the sickness was the brokenness that they had passed along from generation to generation as they rebelled in the desert as they rebelled in the wilderness as they as they continued to worship idols under the various kings as they would revert time and time again to disobedience as they 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 they, they rubbed shoulders with people that that that, that were not in their best interest, and all through this time, they, they were unleashing spiritual dynamics into their community and into their system and into their nation. And the problem at this point in time is a problem in the souls and the hearts and minds of people. It is not just the situation on the outside. I said I wasn't going to get worked up today. But... And so Jesus comes. He said, and notice when he comes on the scene, you read the beginning of the gospel. Jesus starts out in places like the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about rejecting hypocrisy. He talks about true righteousness that's from the inside out. He's talking about understanding and relating to the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law so that you understand that, that, that you can't hate somebody as, 
as bitterly as you'd like as long as you don't kill them. He says, if you hate them that much, you are in murky waters. You're in trouble. Jesus, he says, let me make it clear. Let's get the inside straightened out. Let's get the thinking right. Let's get the heart pure. It's not just what you refrain from doing, but it's what you want to do. It's what your motivations are. So he teaches about rejecting hypocrisy, and, and he wants to get to the intent of God's law so that his righteousness and justice would begin within them and among them. And he talked about God's kingdom, kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, God's kingdom rule. It was the idea of the gospels. There really is not in the gospels the, the kind of uh, brokered personal salvation that we traffic in in these days. Well, you know, uh, would you raise your hand if you would accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Amen. I see that and say, oh, yeah, well, you, are you a Christian? Yeah, I raised my hand 43 years ago. Well, what have you been doing since? Uh, I've been getting down, but I'm a Christian. <laughs> Jesus talked about the kingdom of God is not just about God being somewhere present in your experience in a spiritual way, but it's about God being in control of everything, and it starts with you, God's rule and reign through Jesus Christ, bringing your life into, into order, and then the, in the world around you that extends. And so Jesus talks about the kingdom, and the kingdom is not just about religiosity and nicety and, and this and that, but the kingdom is about uh, issues and, and, and values that, that transcend geopolitical boundaries and that work, again, from the inside out. Because the kingdom of man wants to rule you and control you on the outside. The kingdom of God wants to govern you from the inside as you submit to the king who we sang about today. His name is Jesus. Amen. Now, Jesus knew what the people in his day, he knew what Israel needed. He knew what Jerusalem needed, but they weren't buying. And I know we say, them, those are some bad people. They're so stubborn and stiff-necked, rebellious. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. But just go with me from first century Jerusalem to 2016 in Inglewood, California, situated in the midst of the United States of America. Consider us, consider you and me, said it before, but I'll say it again. Our felt needs, uh, I, when I first heard that term years ago, I was like, what does that mean? Does that have something to do with, you know, felt? Uh, the, the, you know, you, felt needs is like, when you, by the time I get done with this message, you'll be hungry. You're probably hungry now. And uh, that's what you feel that. And so there's, there's some validity to meeting that need. And, and then there are other felt needs, like I need love and companionship. I need, I need, uh, I need sustenance. I need for folks to close that door quietly. I need this, I need that. Uh, that's a felt need. But you, you need to, be, to, to make sure in your thinking you understand something, that your, your felt needs are real, but felt needs are not necessarily the most important or the most true needs of your life. And Jesus knows that. In other words, let me put it to you like this. See, some of you, with regard to money, say, why you got to talk about money? Well, don't worry. We only take one and a half offerings. <laughs> you think that if you go down there to 7-Eleven, mm-hmm, I'll run into some of y'all down there. Oh, hi, Pastor. <laughs> I actually did happen one time right there. 
I was, I was with some guys, a member of the church one time, and a few other people, and we were in another city, and we were walking downtown in this city, and dude, there was this like corner store, and we were on this, we were like in Sacramento, it was this corner, and, and dude slipped away from us, and went through that store, bought him a lotto ticket, and then got back in with us, and I was like, I mean, I don't care. But, but what happens is you think that, man, if I could just get this big, you know what I'm saying? $700 million? That's your felt need because you got some bills to pay and because your, your, your car is getting raggedy. And, uh, and those, but you know what? What makes you think you're going to do any better with the $355 million that you did with the $10 that you had in your pocket and you wasted on something stupid? What makes you think that, that, that just giving you the money something, and, 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 and we have all the stories of you from 30,000 feet is that time and time again, people get money like that and they blow through money like that and they become miserable. You got needs in your life. You say, I think I just need, if I just had some money. You know, if money was the answer, Michael would still be with us. Michael Jackson, right? If money was the answer, all of the spate of celebrities and rich and famous people who have committed suicide and they had plenty. Because, see, some of y'all are talking about 15, 20. Just give me one million. That's all I need. That's all I need, Alvin. I'll take, give me a million. Because when you, no, I ain't asking you for it. I put that bad boy, you know, I, I wouldn't know. Don't say, that means there ain't no Lexuses or Bentleys involved in that, but it means that, that I could finally retire when I really get old, right? See, you see what I'm saying? Relationships, they, you know, if I could just find the right man, the right woman, well, you don't know the ones you were with were right or wrong, or you didn't have the skills or the resources to even try to figure it out and make it work. <laughs> I'm not, I, just said, I, was, I said I wasn't going to get messy. This morning, uh, we, we think I, I need more self-esteem, and, and, but maybe what you don't need is more ego stroking and more pridefulness and more you know, to be pumped up. You don't need people to lie to you and flatter you. Uh, that's something that we think, well, I, if I were more popular, if I had more Facebook friends, if I was more famous or whatever, uh, if, if everybody thought I was better than everybody else, I, I, that's what I really need. But what you need is not that. What you need is the confidence in life, the anchor that comes from knowing that you're created in God's image and knowing that you're loved and treasured by him as you are, whether you succeed or fail, whether you're winning or losing, whether you look good or whether you're ugly, it doesn't matter. God loves you and you are important to him and you occupy a place in his universe that nobody else occupies. So what we think we need isn't always what we need. It's something deeper. With regard to our national conversation, uh, there are a lot of ideas as to what our country needs, aren't there? Oh, and, and in every election cycle, and particularly in this crazy one, I'll be glad when it's over. Uh, I, I so look forward to next year. And um, don't start. But we hear a lot of jabber about this issue, that, that concern and that. And there are some valid and serious concerns of, around us and before us that need to be dealt with. But let me just cut to the chase on this, what I'm saying. We dare not be deceived into thinking that, and even in those cases, the obvious needs that we think, the things we think need to happen, are the true needs. Now, he said, where is he going with this? Don't worry, nothing on my sleeve. See, a lot of folks think, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I want to walk this line carefully, because there is a theological point I'm making here, and it's not political, but it, it impacts politics, so I, so I say it. 
you think you need a savior who's got a real strong personality, who says whatever comes to his mind, and that's because he's being real and honest, and he's not of the, you know, and I'm not, I'm using that as an example, because there are other things, that, there are other people that in situations where people look to this or that, right or left, and say, we, you know what I'm saying? That's the Savior. That's, that's what we need. And people are neglecting and casting aside their values and beliefs, and biblical concepts, saying, that's what we need. What, and I want to say to you this morning, I, we need a good president. We need good people in Congress and Senate and the House of Representatives. We need a good governor and a good mayor and for Inglewood. You know, we need good elected officials, and, we, we, and you have the responsibility to be a part of that choice and that process. And we, we want to work in that, and we want to prayerfully pursue that. But I want, I want to just remind you of this as people of God, that what the United States of America needs more than anything and above all is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Not a human king who promises to fix everything in a way that would make everybody happy. And not in some quasi-theocratic dominionist dominionistic conception of some political leader as being especially God's man. I don't go there either. I, I don't really want you to Come at me that way. I want to vote with my heart, but with my mind and with judgment. Because I knew a lot, I've known a lot of people who claim to be God's men. Some of y'all see at the church I went to, the church I went to before, they, they, he, I, that, he said he was God's man. And, and then. So that, that doesn't mean anything. But see, we're looking, for, we're looking for heroes. We're looking for saviors. We're looking for a simple solution to complex problems. We're looking for, and those people were as well, the, the, the one we need is Jesus. Folks want to do it the easy way. They want somebody to fix the situation. They want somebody singularly to make things right. And in Jesus' day, he wasn't the one they were looking for because he said, I'm not going to fix all your problems this way. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to be the operative you want me to be in this system. I've got a greater good in mind for you. Government has its place. We're a nation of laws. Laws are important. We should participate. We should vote. We should make our voices heard. We should line up at the polls to vote, and we should line up in front of City Hall to, 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 to demonstrate when, when, things, when justice isn't being done. We should line up to vote, and we should, a little civil disobedience every now and then, it, when injustice will not break, and when, when people who have been elected to, to, to hear our voice and enact our will fail to do so. There's a place for that, for activism. There's a place for involvement. There's a place for making your voice and your vote heard. But I want to remind you this morning as people of faith, I want to just encourage you to not fall for the notion that God's kingdom works through the agency of power or aggression. Uh, if you're doing God's work and you're living the Christian life, the, the, the change in the world that God wants to bring will not begin with the stroke of a pen, but it will be initiated with the bending of a knee, if you know what I'm talking about. And I want good laws, and there are a lot of things that need to be changed and and all that, but I've read in my Bible, I've I've peeled open the pages of Romans 8, and I found it even with regard to my soul that it said what the law could not do because it was weakened through the flesh, and even our our laws that we have, they can't fix broken hearts, they can't correct twisted minds, they can't cure warped people, only the power of God and the blood of Jesus Christ can do that. 
now, now, so it, it starts not in the halls of government, but it starts in the hearts of, of the faithful, followers of Christ, those who will dare to live out their gospel, the gospel. Are you with me? Because I'm trying to take this word so I can hook it up so you understand what in the world I'm talking about. But listen, God brought a revolution through Jesus, but they didn't get it. And God is always, God is, if you will, is the great revolutionary. And Jesus is his operative in the world. And God is always upsetting the existing order. God is always invading the, 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 the kingdoms and societies and cultures of this world. God is always advancing his kingdom. And, and it doesn't start in the halls of government, but the hearts of faithful people. It starts in moments like these, in places like this, among people like us. Now, let me explain to you what I mean. Uh, I, 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 the change that I can believe in won't start from the top down. The change that, that really matters, the change that will really stick, won't start from somewhere out there. It'll, it'll start from the bottom up. You see, you won't fix this, this nation just by having the, the, the best leader in the world that you could possibly have if you've got corrupt hearts and, and, and twisted minds. It starts in, in moments like these, in places like this, among people like us, when we allow God to work in our lives. That's where Jesus started. He came all the way down from heaven. He came all the way down to earth. He came, as the song said, from the from the, the uh, 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 heaven to the to the earth, from the earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave, from the, from the grave to the sky. It starts in the decisions, the commitments, the choices that you make today in settings like this as you worship. It starts among worshiping and fellowshipping believers who, like the first church in Acts, had a love that was so strong and powerful and real that it, that it drew people from all around. That's where change starts. It starts in homes where we live out our faith in front of each other, in front of our kids. And we got enough God in us in our home for real so that we don't bless the food and curse our children. That's where it starts. What's wrong with this country? If you want to know, you've got to, you, you need to step into some of the living rooms and kitchens and dens. And I hear heavenly bells. That's God saying, that's it, son. Um, it starts, it starts in your world when you, being the Christian in your workplace, you ain't the craziest one on the job, is it? Oh, that's the religious one over there. And you're the first one to take offense at everything. You're the, you're, the, you're the last one to get there, the first one to leave. You're the one with the stapler in your purse. Now, Mom, where are you going? I got to get to church. There's a revival going on. Well, but, but change begins and, 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 
and revolution takes place and, and God's kingdom is established in the world around us when, when we're the one on the job that, that has the ability to think straight and has the ability to love and to give. And we could take a, you know, take a few on the chin for the cause because, we, because we, Jesus suffered for us. So I could suffer a little bit for this little thing because I have a greater objective and that is to demonstrate the love of Jesus. When, when people see us, when, as we respond to negativity, they see Jesus in us. It starts on the way we do ch- in the way we do church. Where's he getting ready to go with this? Oh, I could work this one. But, but the way we embrace covenant community, uh, the way we eschew, the way we, we, we reject consumer church, consumer Christianity, I'm going to go there because I like that. that. That one makes me feel better. Nothing for you to do, not, nowhere for you to serve, no one for you to rub shoulders with, no one for you to relate to. But I, I like they got the cool lights. I did doing some research on church lighting because I wanted to just kind of step this up a little bit. But, man, it's like you got to go like from here. It's like, I mean, you got to have park hands and LEDs and, and spinning spots and, you know, small folk, smoke machines. And it's like, I'm going to go there. You know what the revolution starts when we say, where, God, where do you want me and what you want me to do? Not how, what can I take, but how can I serve? Uh, it, 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 we, we further the cause when, when, when we embrace covenant love, commit to God's work, commit to God's people. When we reject the consumer uh, mentality, when we show up and don't bail out the first time our feelings get hurt or the first time we don't get our way. That's none of you. But you know what I'm saying. It starts when we feed the hungry and clothe the naked. It starts when we serve people from the heart and when we care for the least of these among us when we, and I'm not saying we're doormats that everybody can walk over, but it starts when we have a, a heart that is finally attuned to the needs in the world around us in Jesus' name. And we're not here just to take, but we're here to give as well. So now, let me remind you, we're talking about revolution, and I have to make this declaration. The revolution will not be televised. Not this one. Jesus came to foment revolution. Jesus came to, to, to set off God's work in the world, and, and, and the way that God works in the world, the way that God changes the world is first through changing hearts and mending broken lives. It is through primarily the work of the cross that we observe this week, the work of the cross and the resurrected Christ. Christ deals with sin, and it begins in moments like these, in places like this, in folks like us, because it's in these settings where we Decline phone calls that come to us on our iPad because we're on the network while we're preaching. Amen. Now, let me just, let's, let's, let's regress for a minute. Jesus was guilty. Now, we're going to read all this stuff this week about his passion. He was guilty in a sense of what he was accused, of, of some of what he was accused of. Uh, but not in the way he was accused they were accusing him as being a rabble-rouser who's bringing insurrection and who's trying to, to, to uh, upend the, uh, the, 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 the prevailing order. As so many quasi-revolutionaries had come along and so many uh, rabble-rousers had come before him, he was accused of that. And you know what? Jesus was guilty of shaking things up. Jesus was guilty of turning things upside down. Jesus was guilty of changing, of trying to change the way things were. He came to bring revolution, make no mistake about it, but they had no clue as to what kind of revolution he was about. Because 
the least of his concern was Caesar or, or Herod or any political leader. The least of his concern was Rome. His concern was the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness that ruled in the hearts and lives of people. Came to bring revolution. We see it in the gospel. Listen, it starts when we go through, the, go through John's gospel. We see these various glimpses of it. Starts with a small crowd of curious onlookers as John the Baptist is out there by the Jordan River. See, revolution is, 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 is beginning because God is reaching out to his people through John. He's the forerunner, saying, tell him to come and be baptized for forgiveness of sins because we're getting ready for the new thing, getting ready for the one who is to come, getting ready for the Messiah. So get out there and do that. That's what it starts People are out there, and they're saying something's about to happen. Something's about to jump off. And then Jesus goes out there, and he gets baptized. And a voice, voice from heaven speaks and says, this is my beloved son. Uh, it, it, start, it, it goes on when, the, when a man named Nicodemus pulls Jesus aside. He says, you know, in essence, he says, I hear you're really, you're really, you know, you're really the, 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 a godly guy. God is really with you. And Jesus said, wait, stop. Ain't about all that. You know how we in, in contemporary part, you know, you, you really anointed. Ain't about my anointing. It's about this. Jesus says, like he said, you must be born again. He says, listen, Nicodemus is working under the old regime. He's saying, okay, so what it is is this. Uh, what do we do? How do we work the works of God? How, how do we become more religious? How do we further establish ourselves in the faith? You know? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You, it's not about reform. It's not about makeover. It's not about a do-over. It's about a revolutionary thing. It's about being reborn because you don't know it, but you are dead spiritually. And he says, unless you're born again of the spirit, you can't see the kingdom of God. I told you all, people talking about, well, he's a born again Christian. What other kind of Christian is there? <laughs> there is none. You either are or you ain't. It starts at this meeting at a well with the Samaritan woman. Remember that? Jesus transcends gender boundaries because you're not supposed to, as a Jewish male, you're not supposed to be speaking with women in public. Jesus transcends ethnic boundaries because there's this vicious uh, acrimony between, the, uh, uh, between the, the Jews and the Samaritans. And he talks to this woman, and you know, she's kind of hitting him up, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about religion. Let's talk about worship. You know, what church you go to? Right. What kind of worship song? Who's your favorite worship leader? Israel Houghton or, or, you know, Fred Hammond, you know. And Jesus said, no, it ain't about all that stuff. It's not about, you know, because the time is coming. He said, well, it's not going to be about what temple you worship in, what mountain you worship on, what place you're in. It's going to be the, no matter what, pl- what moment, no matter what place, no matter what people. It's going to be about the fact that those who worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. And then he t- proceeds to tell her to read all of her mail. And she runs off, life changed, exclaiming, let me tell you about this man. He told me everything that I ever did. The revolution is unfolding by the pool of Bethesda. People steeped in religion and superstition because probably the pool of Bethesda was, that was probably not a legitimate God thing because God didn't generally work by turning on the jacuzzi jets in the pool and then Y'all, whoever get in here first, you're going to get healed. Thank God if we don't serve a God like that. Now or then. But there was a belief that uh, when the water was troubled, if you, something, if you were sick and something ailed you, you'd run and you'd get in the first in the water, you'd be healed. 
There's this crippled man, been there, what, 40 years? And he said, the problem is every time I try to get in the water, every time it starts, every time they turn on the jacuzzi, <laughs> every time the water starts bubbling, I'm crippled, I, and all the other guys go and run ahead of me. Now, first of all, if they so sick, what they doing running ahead of you into the water? <laughs> they probably, you, and he's in this zone, right? And then, of course, probably, because when, sometimes when you've been afflicted a long time, it, it provides some convenient resources for you. Right? Things like excuses. Well, Pastor, I would, but you know, I. I or, you know, I, 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 I'm sorry I act like this, but I, you know, I was hurt. And so Jesus asked him, he said, well, he's there to, supposedly to be healed. But Jesus said, Son, do you want to get well? And Jesus heals him, and it, everything changes. It, 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 it happens when the, the blind man is, Jesus encounters this blind guy and, and the religious folks the old order, the old regime is like well somebody done messed up he's blind, something wrong in your life, you know how it is, something go wrong what did you do read Job and so they said Jesus who sinned, this man or his parents and they said it assuming it had to be somebody right and Jesus said, listen, it's not about who sinned. It's about something greater than that. It's about the work of God in the world. It's about the presence of evil that must be dispelled. It's about the revolution that the kingdom is bringing and, and pushing back the power of darkness, the power of sickness. It's not about judging people. It's not about that kind of thing. It's about the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says, you know, and, and he, he heals him. And then after he heals this guy, it's still, then, oh, now you done really messed up because you done, you heal somebody on the Sabbath. The old regime is concerned about the legalism piece. It's like, wow, we, you can do good, but don't do it on, 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 on Saturday because that's, that's the Sabbath. And Jesus says, listen, don't you know it's lawful to do good? He's upending the whole thing, talking about revolution. And then uh, in a little town, and we talk about this usually around this time of the Christian calendar, little town, Bethany. Jesus had a friend named Lazarus. See, this is what got him in trouble. And he knew it. It was inevitable. It was part of God's plan. But he, he, he has a friend named Lazarus. His friend dies. Jesus is at first misunderstood, right, because it seems to take his time getting there. And, but, and then Jesus demonstrates his compassion for Lazarus by weeping over his dead body. But he demonstrates his power by raising him from the dead. Uh, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. Uh, Jesus, knew, in every case, knew the real needs and concerns. The need wasn't to get to Lazarus before he did. But, but he got to him in the proper time and did what needed to be done. Jesus constantly faced the reality that most folks don't get it all through the gospel. Jesus is saying, I'm teaching this stuff. Some, some folks are too thick to understand. I'm teaching it in parables so that the real, some folks just totally won't get it. And the others, they'll, they'll kind of figure it out. But basically, you even see the disciples don't have a clue half the time or two-thirds of the time. Jesus understood that. He, he, but he's on a mission, and he, he has an objective. And, and get, listen to this. Him dealing with that level of opposition didn't stop him from doing God's will. Because the question will never be, 
whether a given thing is popular, whether it is trending, whether it has a lot of likes or whatever. The question will always be, is it right? And Jesus always did what, it, what was right. And Jesus wept over his generation because they failed to understand what he was trying to do in their midst. And because he could see the impending judgment and doom that would befall them. And in 70 AD, Jerusalem was, was raided and the temple was destroyed. He, for, he, he predicted it and he wept. He wept over that generation. And guess what? He weeps over our generation. He does. Jesus weeps over the way in which we miss the point as his people. The way in which we have gone whole hog after consumer religion in our country. The way in which we will co-sign on lying folks who impugn the name of Jesus and the, 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 the brand of the gospel through brandishing it as the, brandishing the label of evangelical upon themselves even though they didn't, don't even know what it means. Jesus weeps over that kind of stuff. And he weeps over a nation that is so confused. The church is confused and people are confused and don't know which way to turn and don't know what to do, don't know what to believe, don't know how to think. Because their felt needs are driving them and they're, they're so desperate for answers. But, but they forget what we sung in church all the time. That we were growing up and every, every day of our existence that Jesus is the answer. But they say, oh, but there must be something else. Oh, but Jesus is the answer. What's the question? Well, the question is this. The question is how will you deal with, with the, the problem of sin in the human condition? And the answer is Jesus. It is Jesus that changes hearts. It's Jesus who changes lives. It's Jesus that transforms organizations and, and societies and nations and entities. Jesus can renovate and, and renew families and marriages. It is Jesus. Jesus is the answer now and then and forever. And so he weeps. He weeps over the fact that we as believers want somebody to fix all of our problems for us. But we continue to be negligent in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our own homes, in our own churches. Jesus weeps. But listen, he said he should be done by now. Stay with me. By another three hours, we'll be done with this. Just because Jesus weeps, it doesn't mean that he sleeps. Just because he laments over our condition doesn't mean that he's finished with us. He wasn't finished with his people in Jerusalem. For the moment, they had sealed their fate. But just because he weeps, just because he identifies with the pain and the reality of our plight doesn't mean that he's given us up on us. Just because he feels our pain doesn't mean that he does not intend to heal us. He meets us where we are. He meets us as we are. But always remember that his intent in meeting us where we are is to bring us to where we need to be. And his intent in meeting us as we are is to mold us and shape us into the people that he intends for us to become. And so, and the, I'm, now let's try to tie all this together. I hope you're tracking with me today. And in the in moments like the triumphal entry, when the crowds are deluded and the leaders have colluded, they're confused and, and the leaders are 
possessed by ill will and by the malevolent intent to bring about his demise. In the midst of that situation, God still had a plan and purpose. Though those who were acting out their own plan and purpose thought that they were getting over, God never lost track of what was going on. You know, sometimes we think that God has lost control of the situation for a moment. I don't know what's going on. Well, you know what? That's why you need to talk to Jesus, because he does. I seem that everything going hog wild. Yeah, but God, see, in the midst of all this, God had a purpose. God had a plan. And so the revolution, again, it won't be televised. This one. I'm not talking, you know what I'm not talking about, right? I'm not talking about any earthly thing. I'm not talking about nothing political or social. I'm talking about something bigger than that. And that's what I want you to understand that we're a part of. You know, the, the Jews didn't realize that God was trying to draw them up into a movement called the kingdom that was bigger than, than this stuff. And that would have given them the victory, would have given them the, the, the place that they needed to occupy. But they wanted that. And God is working revolution in our lives. And, and what he's, the revolution that he's bringing about probably won't, it won't make it on, it won't be on TV. There are too many channels. I don't know who would carry it. Uh, it, it won't be on Facebook or Snapchat or, or Instagram. But, but I want to encourage you to be the revolutionary for Jesus and in Jesus that Jesus is because you're called to follow him and you follow in his steps. And Jesus is a revolutionary. No, he's not the kind of person that's always like making trouble and, and upsetting folks in, on purpose. But he's got the kind of person that will tell the truth. He's the kind of person who lived the truth. He's the kind of person that did the will of God without fail. He's the kind of person who laid his life down for other people. And so what we do. We foment revolution. It's a revolutionary act every time you help somebody in need from the heart. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a revolutionary act when we take time to listen to somebody's plight and their struggle without, without judging them and without standing, oh, well, I'm, you know, just listen and shut up and hear what they have to say because sometimes the greatest thing that people need is not your advice but your ears. Uh, you, 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 you kick off the revolution when, when, when you learn to bridle your tongue. That's a revolutionary act. Because, you know, people around say, you just need, I just say, tell it like, I, like it is. I just say what I feel. Yeah, them, some of them ones, that, they, they remember that job they used to have, <laughs> the wife they used to have, the husband. You talk to your grown kids, well, not in about 30 years. Who was over for Christmas? Nobody, my cat. <laughs> it's revolutionary to, to look. It's revolutionary to bridle your tongue to learn. I don't have to say everything I think and everything I feel. I don't have to have the answer for, no, for everything. I don't have to talk all the time. And sometimes when I'm feeling something, I just need to keep my mouth shut. Lord, as, as the psalmist said, set a watch over my tongue, my mouth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accepted. That's a revolutionary act. That's a kingdom act. When you do a simple favor for a neighbor, but you know you're doing it in the name of Jesus, that's revolutionary. You see, we, we, when we give stuff away to people, again, what's, and I know some of you probably don't understand this because you say, they do outreach at the church. If that were me, I'd have a, a flat farm out there on the state, on the parking lot. I'd put the worship team out there. We would be praising God and waving at people. And I'd have pastor get up there and preach and preach and preach out there on the parking lot. And we would be out there and we would get them all saved. No, you wouldn't. They just wouldn't show up. 
That was that was so 1972. Somebody, I had somebody like they would they would come back. And say, what we need to do is get a flatbed truck and put the put the van on the back of it and go over to to Nickerson Gardens. I say you ain't getting me on the back of no flatbed truck in Nickerson Gardens. <laughs> and you get somebody give them twenty dollars, they let you plug in and get some electricity, and you just play. You know, I said that was back in 1970. Uh, it's a different world. But so people say, why, why do you, you just give stuff? Yeah, and we, and we talk to people. And we've led people to Christ out there. And we hand out tracts and, and we do stuff. But, it, but it's like, you know, I told you the story, the government cheese. Remember that back in the, and I remember I went to this church and they were giving out government cheese. It was the government cheese that they were giving out. But they had to sit and listen to this lady preach. I would have just said, I'll go buy me some cheese. I don't want to hear the lady preach. You need to know Jesus, uh, and you need God in your life. Uh, and you need to repent of your sins. Uh, and uh, on and on and on, uh, you know, it's like. Oh, just love people. Give them stuff in Jesus' name because, you know, freely receive. I know you don't understand it, but there's something about it that expresses the nature of God that's not quid pro quo. You know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You get saved, I'll give you some cheese. It's revolutionary when we learn to love and give without looking for something in return. When we learn to invest in God's kingdom, realizing that even though the return doesn't come in this life, it is inevitable and it will be greater than anything we can imagine. And we finally, I'm almost done. Thank God. I, I didn't intend to preach this long, but, but God set me down last night. And I, and I maybe, if you, I, I, you know. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, it's like, there's a burden on the heart. I just got to get it out. We, 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 we're revolutionary when we dare to live in the quiet confidence that no matter what we're going through or what we're facing, God will always be God. Nothing can separate us from his love. We, we, we turn the current social order and we turn the current, uh, situation on 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 its end when we live by kingdom principles and i got to talk about this more going forward in this year because you we are kingdom people and the kingdom of god is like you take anything from this world the kingdom is like you flip it and it's the inverse the opposite and so in the kingdom of god the way up is down in the kingdom of God, the way in is out. In the kingdom of God, the way to get over is to go under. In the kingdom of God, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. In the kingdom of God, if you love your life, you lose it. If you, if you freely give it for Jesus' sake, you find it again and you find it more abundantly. In the kingdom of God, and this is why you, know, you need to love your church and invest in what God is doing here. Because in the kingdom of God, God takes little mustard seed, like minute, almost invisible things, like, like we sometimes feel. God takes those things and those, and people say, oh, that's just a little tiny thing. But the, in the kingdom, Jesus says, it's like this. That, that mustard seed becomes something so great and some, something so ginormous. You like that word? That, that, that you can't imagine because that's the way. In the kingdom, see, in the world, we, we want to find big things or we want everything. The kingdom says, you take it's the little thing that God takes. So you feel insignificant as well. But in the kingdom, you might be, you, nobody knows your name, but God does. And your influence and your power and the things that God will do through you in the world are incalculable because that's the way the kingdom works. It's the opposite of the, of the world. So in the kingdom, we don't look for, the, we don't look for all the, the winners, and we don't look for all the, 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 the successful people. We look for the down and outers because those are the people we're called to love. We don't look for the, the situations where we're going to be on top and always look the best. We look for where we can most reflect the cross of Jesus. We look for where we can love like Jesus loved. 
And we realize this, that every nation, every government, every kingdom, every corporation, every society, every club, every human entity whatsoever has a finite existence. There's virtually nothing that exists around us in the world right now that will exist probably 100 years from now, except maybe a few of the buildings that, that are big enough, that strong enough to withstand the big one in LA. Do you know what I'm saying? If Jesus tarries two, 300 years from now, so many of the things that, 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 that we come to know and love that exist now, they won't be there. You know, Apple computer won't be around when you're great grandkids. I, pretty sure. With the pace of change, no. But see, that would be unsettling to me, except I won't be here. But the thing about it is, the kingdom that we're talking about, that this revolution is bringing into being, it will last forever. So what do you want to be about? The stuff that's going, I'm going to fix the broke stuff that's going to get broke again and go away anyway. Or want to be about that which is eternal, that transcends time and transcends matter. And so, I've tried to tie together a few things here. I hope you got something from this, but Understand, it's the revolution of the kingdom of God that Jesus came to bring, misunderstood in the moment of the triumphal entry. They said, this is our guy today, right? Because he just healed Lazarus. Let's, let's, let's give this guy some props. Give us Jesus. Then on Friday was give us Barabbas and then hang him out to dry. Oh, but in moments like in don't despise time you spend in church in, 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 in these times, these simple places or your living room or Starbucks when you're sitting with a friend and, and people like us. God is, 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 is setting the stage to change things in the world and to change the hearts and lives of people, to heal broken folks and to fix fractured families. God is working in and through us in simple, small, unassuming ways. I, I hope you hear what I'm saying. Uh, uh, the the revolution happens in moments when we oh like when I was and and uh, it happens when we feel the burn not with a e but with a u no I ain't, we ain't you know I ain't. because I remember a time because in the, in the remember the road to Emmaus two guys walking with Jesus after the resurrection. And Jesus is breaking down the scripture to him. And he, then he departs them. And they're like, man, listen, did our hearts burn within us as he opened the word to us on the way? So there, there's a kind of heartburn that I, I, I used to have reflux really bad. And I kind of got healed. I mean, I used to have the sleep sitting out. I hate that kind of heartburn. I used to feel it coming on. I'd eat something. And I was like, oh, God, it's going to be a long night. It's the worst. There's a kind of heartburn that I used to have that I'm trying to get back. Okay? There's a kind of burn that I want to feel. It's like the burn that comes from being invested in the lives of people and, and grounded in the word of God and having real conversations with, with your friends and your brothers and sisters and talking about the things that matter, the things of God having a, a love and a passion for Jesus that's so real that it's palpable and you and you feel you feel that 
that fire in your, Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. We're losing that because we're we're diffusing our energy into so many other places that, and so many other things that we're hoping in and trusting in. And you guys know I am the biggest, as big a user of technology as any of you. You just saw my iPad ring on the platform because my Mac is on the thing and every, all my devices ring. So I'm at home. I plug in the phone. I sit there and talk to you on my computer. And then when they when emails coming out here, ding, 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 and it drives my wife crazy. Oh, but man, we're getting lulled into some corner, some places that this really means something. That Facebook really matters. That that Instagram. I mean, it's fun. Do it. I mean, it has to the extent that it bless. But yeah, I mean, but you know, all that's gonna twenty years from now it'll be something else. I, I want the I want I want to feel the real burn. I, I want. I want the power of God to be released in my life in a way. I want the, the presence of God's spirit to be so real. And I think it's going to take something. And it's going to take me really paying attention to, moment, to moments like these and places like this with people like us to where I really invest myself in what God is doing and in the lives of people around me. I've told several people this week, I said, we need to talk more. Because we just, you know, it gets the way you're just texting people all the time. I need to hear your voice. I need to see your face. I need to, I, we need something. I'm getting, I'm, I done preached five sermons up in here. Let me get the, Now, the crowds want it. Fanfare. Now, I'm, I'm just about done. But let me, let me send you home, you know, in a certain place. I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave you comfortless, right? The crowds wanted that, you know, they, 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 we had that kind of celebration this morning. Then we made some noise up in here this morning. And, uh, and the praise was on point for this reason. And Jesus made it plain because he says, if they don't praise me, the rocks. See, the thing about it, this is the thing about, about worship and praise with, with God. God's worthiness, his holiness, his being of infinite worth is the principle of the universe. It's and Jesus, it says, by him all things were created and through him all things consist. And so the whole created order has been created by and is sustained and, 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 and held together by God. And so it's like, it's just like this, this physical, natural, metaphysical, spiritual reality that everything in creation screams that God is good. Everything in creation screams that God is holy, that God is God. You don't know it, but the atoms and the molecules in the carpet right now are dancing and shouting because their creator gave them motion. And that's funny because in, 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 in the subatomic world, there's motion. You know, the, the, the things orbiting around things in, in all the atoms of your hand, you can't even see it. All of that is praising God. And you go into the, the natural order and out, in the, out in, the, in the wilderness, the lions are roaring. You think they're roaring because they're hungry. They're roaring. They're, something inside of them, they don't even know it's saying, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Those birds that woke you up this morning because it's spring and you think it's spring, we ain't got enough rain. Those birds, you think they're just out there making noise outside your window. Those birds are somehow praising God. Jesus said it like this, everything will praise me. So they got that, they, they, they couldn't help that. And so it was the right thing to do, but they missed the point in, in this because they, 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 they're praising because they're, the, they thought that this was moving some, towards some geopolitical, social uh, 
upheaval, but Jesus was headed for the throne as they would have hoped, but he was going the wrong way. He was going the way of the cross. So stay with me. I, I got to wrap this up. You got to let me get this out of my heart. Okay. And we don't like that. And so we, we want to, 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 to crown and coronate the winners, but we don't like the idea that he had to go through that, that way. And, and they, were, they were yelling out and allow me to be messy again. They saying we don't win anymore. You know, and, 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 but God said, I got a bigger objective than... See, God cares about more than just some people. I don't care whether it's the United States or Yugoslavia. They don't exist anymore, right? Or, or, God care, is concerned about more than just somebody feeling like they're winning. God is concerned about souls of billions of people that have been created from the time God created us. God is concerned about all of humanity. God is concerned about his great plan to redeem humanity and to redeem the planet. God's not so much concerned about, I mean, he cares about your plight, but that's all they were about. We wanted our thing, we, but God says, I got something bigger. He said, I got to save the entire planet. I got to, I got to, 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 to allow my son to die so that, that in 2016, Charles H. Williams Sr. can find his way to the foot of the cross and have his sins cleansed because he's a mess apart from Jesus. I got to go the way of the cross. I could, I could get with the parade right now and give you what you want, but I've got to go this way because there's some brothers and sisters that are going to be set up in Grace Chapel on, on, on March 20th, 2016 that need a touch from God, and they will need me to, to have sent the Holy Spirit and to die for their sins. I, I, I'm concerned about just the people in Jerusalem, but I'm concerned about those people in Africa that y'all don't even know exist, the people in South America that you're not aware of, the people that haven't even heard the gospel. I'm, I'm, I said I won't get all riled up like this, but listen. But I'm so glad that when Jesus said, whosoever will, yeah, he included you and he included me, and that he, he reaches out into moments like the, these and places like this among people like us to do profound and wonderful things. Amen. Oh. Uh, so, as I close... As I close, I know the crowd didn't get it. They said the right thing for the wrong reason. But you know what? I know, you, I know y'all got it. Y'all got it? Yeah. I know you got it. Yeah. I, my hope today is that as we praise the Lord together, that we've, we're saying the right things for the right reasons. Uh, somebody today is praising him because their life was a mess, and God got you straightened out. That's praising him, saying the right thing for the right reason. Somebody's praising him today because you were sick in body. And, and it wasn't that you, maybe you didn't get the miraculous divine healing. I didn't have the right touch that day or whatever it was. But you, with the process you went through, God brought healing and wholeness to your body and you're back in health. Oh, and Brother Walter Mann came through his surgery this week with, with flying colors and he's at home resting, doing fine. Oh, some of you are praising because you know that God heals in a number of different ways. And then some of you know the time when you were sick and you called out to God. And God, by his miraculous touch, healed you in that moment. That's the right, huh? Somebody's, some of you were praising him this, mom, this morning because you found hope amidst the hopelessness of this present order. And, 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 and you found community in the place of solitude. You found, you found uh, love when you were feeling unloved because God had brought order and purpose and meaning to your, 
life through people that he's placed around you. Somebody's praising him uh, uh, because you've got this witness in your spirit that Jesus is alive. That's what we're celebrating this week. And that God loves you and that, that you're a child of God through faith in Jesus. Somebody's praising him today because you came to know him as the God of all comfort in the midst of your grief and suffering. It's a reason to praise the Lord. Some, somebody's praising him this morning over the noise of their needs. Somebody's praising him in spite of your plight. You've got enough faith to go there. You're praising him by faith rather than sight. You're praising him not because the blessings have showed up, but you're praising him in anticipation of the blessings. You're praising him of even in the midst of the things that you don't understand because some of you think, when I go to the church, I know those people, the path, they must understand and know everything. Some of us, listen, you, you, so you learn, I praise him in, 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 in the face of the things that I don't understand. I praise him in the presence of unresolved doubts, questions, and uncertainties. I, I believe that we're gathered here and praising him, and we can share in Peter's confession, which is this, who the people say I am, and I think every one of you would say with me this morning that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so you don't have to, to, to be all up, have all of the answers with regard to ontology or epistemology or axiology a theology. I know one thing. I know that Jesus died for me. I know that God loves me and sent his son to save me. I know that his power is greater than anything on this earth. I know that there is nothing that can separate me from his love. I'd say it like Job said it in the book of Job. Job was afflicted to the max, broke down, boils all over his body, going through this strange trial. But Job, Job stands up at a certain place and he says this. And how can you say this when your life is messed up? He says this, I know that my redeemer lives. And I know that in the last day I will see him stand on the earth. That's why we praise him because I don't know how this thing is. I don't know how the election is going to turn out in November. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 5, 10, 20 years from now. All I know is this. I know that my Redeemer lives and that one day I will see him stand on the earth. I know that God has all of this under his control, that nothing escapes his notice, and that his kingdom, his kingdom purposes will prevail. Oh, I got to. And I know, that, I know that when I see him coming again, he won't be coming on a donkey this time. The Bible says he's coming on a white horse because he doesn't come take sides. Right. He, he comes to take over. Right. And that's what's happening. But it all starts in moments like these. Places like this. People like us. I'm going to finish this up and send you home. But I think about one of the this American life. One of the interesting conflicted, weird things about my life. He says, oh, he's going to tell us something we ain't never heard before. No, I ain't. I, won't. <laughs> I, I, I got, God placed me, and I'm a, I, I consider myself not a particularly dumb person, right? right? Help me out. <laughs> I've had some pretty good experiences in life, and uh, you, you shouldn't answer fast enough. Uh, you know. But I, I followed the call of God into a, an environment and I got in a building that, just bear with me, that, that uh, I found that many times was too small for us and limiting to us. And I have a love-hate relationship with this place. Yeah, I'm, 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 being, I'm being honest because what I'm going to say is not controversial at all. What I, what, it, it drives me crazy because I'm always fixing stuff and replacing stuff. And I, never, and I never get finished. 
it drives me crazy because I don't have an, any offices and I, don't have, I can't serve our children properly. And because our doors open into the sanctuary and everybody's moving around and, and I lose total focus of the congregation. Because it's a little place. When I first come here, came here, that door wasn't even there. So that door opened right onto the street. We put that door there. And on and on and on. But let me tell you something. Listen, stay with me. In this little place, in this funky space, you know, looks like little house on the prairie on the outside. I mean, motorcycle ride by, you hear all the words on their speakers. In this place where the back is open and we can't stop people from littering and other stuff back there and and I have to ask, brother, I'd like to get in the door. My brother's hitting the, you know, hitting, the, hitting the blunt. And I'm trying to, excuse me, brother. Yeah, all right, man. You know. In this crazy place, I have been here long enough, almost a quarter century. I've seen lives changed. I've seen people healed of, of addiction. I've seen people get on their lives on the right track. I've seen people's lives turned around. I've seen people find hope and find God in the midst of their, their plight. I've seen people who were, who were kind of like this in their faith and they grew up and they're standing tall. Some of you have been with me 20 and more years and some of you got your spiritual sea legs here because you came in and found a place and found love and found and got grounded and, and in this little raggedy place. And it's nice now because we, because y'all put in and in your I, I got it so, so God wants to show up everywhere that you show up come on I gotta stop I gotta stop <laughs>